a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome everybody to the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. That's right, we are back with Rocky Mountain ATV MC as our sponsor. Rocky Mountain ATV MC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, and gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, and street bikes. With low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free, free people, Free three-day shipping. It's easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for the power sports enthusiast. That's right. If you're going to buy some stuff, go to Rocky Mountain. They're helping me do this. I appreciate it. That's right. We are back. Episode 2. Hopefully the sound issues. Doesn't sound like I'm recording in the bathroom. Um, You know, we went to work. Just like Joey Savacci and his awesome podium speeches, we went we went home, we did our homework, we are back, we are going to put our best foot forward and try to give you the best podcast information that we can. I say we, because that's what he does, but really, it's only me. So anyway, today we're going to talk about the 2017 Honda CRF450R. A lot of you dudes have them out there because I see a crap ton of them at the track when I go to the track. A lot of red bikes, a lot of Honda 450s out there. So the bike was a little late to get released back in 2016, obviously with the earthquake happening in Japan. Um, the introduction got pushed back until October, uh, which was at uh, Monster Mountain in Alabama. I might add, that is probably one of the best tracks I've ever ridden in my life. The dirt is insane. It's like a sandy, tacky, clay-type deal. And me being a high desert rat, I don't see that shit out here. So it was like, oh my god, it was like heaven for me to be out there. I think I burned 120 laps on the Honda in two days. And I never wanted to leave. I was keeping the Honda guys there late. They wanted to go to dinner. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to ride. But... I left, I came home, got my bike, and I went to work. So, basically, the Honda is a great bike, man. The engine stock is amazing. Lots lots of bottom end, exciting feel, good pull in the mid. Top, I mean, overall, just the, just the motor is itself is pretty dang good. Like, I would say probably the second best motor compared to the KTM. I would say it's even better than the Yamaha. Now... Suspension is a little soft stock for me. I'm 170 pounds. I would rather have springs, you know, uh, maybe go up one on the spring rate. Um, I would like to see Honda do that just to keep it a better balanced feel. Overall, ergonomics is good. I feel like the new chassis and ergonomically the bike feels better, if you can imagine that. You guys that have been on Hondas. No, once you guys sit on one, you feel comfortable right away. This bike is no exception. 
I got on it, feel good. Only thing I don't like is the handlebar band, but we'll get into that later. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great bike. Like I said, I see a lot of them out there. So what I want to do with this podcast is let you know what I've done to mine and give you some tips and tricks that I feel that could help you guys out there with your Hondas. First things first, how durable is the unit? Man, I get tons of questions and social media comments about what this thing is about. You know, not only just questions what they should do, but hey, I've heard about this. I heard uh, the transmission goes out. I've heard clutches go out. I heard blah, 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 blah. Look, only thing I've ever happened, only thing that's ever happened to my bike, and I have over 50 hours on the thing, like hard hours, right? I broke two clutch fibers. I was at a sand track out here in the Des, uh, pounding laps, obviously fanning the clutch. Uh, bike started steaming, got super hot, and I was like, oh shit, it blew up. Nope. Clutch came out, two fibers were broke, that's why the lever was super hard, started smoking, and it was just, you know, it was making the engine super hot. So, fast forward, we put a new clutch in it, it runs. Put, you know, obviously put coolant in it, and it runs. It's fine. So, is the clutch life on these things greatest? No. But durability-wise, I've ridden sand tracks, all these tracks around here in Southern California, and I've ridden the shit out of this bike, and it's so far so good over 50 hours. So my steed has been good. I would say durability is probably second best to Yamaha. Yamaha's really durable. Honda's right there. So most of these bikes today are pretty durable. You know, so everybody out there freaking out about... You know, hey, I've heard this, I heard that, my my buddy had this problem. It's probably a fluke thing. Like, unless you see tons of it or you see a recall, I wouldn't really flip out on it. Obviously, I know parts are expensive for them, but um, you, know, you can always go to your dealer and see if they'll help you with a warranty issue, even though if it's past the warranty date. Um, I know these manufacturers really want to make customers happy, and so do the dealers. So, so I wouldn't worry about durability. Durability has been great. Um... Only thing that I don't like on this bike is clutch life. Um, not not the braking part, but just I have to change these clutch plates every 10 hours or so because I smoke them. And I'm not even a clutch abuser. So I would say, you know, we'll talk about this later on, but I, you need to put some type of aftermarket clutch in it for, for durability reasons, you know. Um, the throttle response is so good, you know, it's really good, but... It's super touchy, and so when you get tired, you almost want to, like, uh, roll out of a corner, so to speak. You know, kind of roll your throttle, but it's so crisp and touchy that you end up blowing a corner, your front wheel comes out. So I would like to smooth that down a little bit, and there's a modification in here that we will talk about that I, that has done that, that helps that. And so those are the two things that I would say are the worst part of the bike. Clutch life and the touchiness of the throttle, which, I mean, all you guys out there, that's basically not that much, you know, so little tweaks here and there that I, I made to these, to this bike, um, makes it a really, really fun bike to ride, and I'm just stoked that Honda went to a spring fork, obviously, because I'm a big, big believer in that, as you guys know, and a different chassis that's not as rigid, still a little bit rigid of a feel, but not as rigid as their, you know, 15 and 16 frames. So, um, so here's what I've done. Basically, what I feel like um, 
you can do to your stock bike little things here and there, fixes that I like to call, that you can do to your bike. Um, obviously, I talked to you about spring rate. You can go up at one spring rate if you're 170 pounds or above. Um, I think that'll help. Or you guys already know, revalve it, that's fine. But if you guys have stock stuff, just try springs first, see if that helps. Maybe that'll help balance for you. Um, RX mounts, okay? So the CRF RX has different top motor mounts than the R. Um, I put RX motor mounts on my R for the simple fact of a little bit more of a compliant chassis feel. With that softer mount, it helps straight line square edge, um, stability on straight line, just gives you more of a flex feel on hard pack, you know, choppy straights, and not such a harsh, rigid, like, gah, gah, gah feel. It kind of softens that up a little bit. So RX mounts stayed on my bike. I liked them when I put them on, so those have migrated over there and kind of just stayed there. The next thing I did was remove the top two bolts mm -hmm. out of my fuel tank. And you'd be like, what? How does that even, what, what does that even do? Well, the race team does it, but they use like little rubber bands to hold on the the tank, you know, just to keep it secure. But for us poor folk and these privateers out here, we I mean, really can't make something like that to do that. So I just remove the bolts itself, and that way it flexes more through the middle of the frame. So you're dealing with a titanium fuel tank, right? And now that titanium fuel tank is bolted straight into aluminum frame. So you're not going to get the flex like you once had with a plastic fuel tank into aluminum frame. Now you're working with two metals, so it doesn't flex as good. So taking those top two bolts out helps acceleration out of corners, I feel like. It's, it's a small change, but I feel like it's a better change just for comfort. Some of you guys can go out there and try it. Go go ride back to back with it. You know, you know, have them in, ride a couple laps, take them out, and see if you guys feel them. I and mean, you know, wait till the track is is beat up a little bit and has some bumps. Don't just go out there and the tr track's all mulched up and and bitching. You know, stay a little while, hang out, drink a Pepsi, chill out, ride your dirt bike. Wait till the track's rough. Test these things that I'm talking about. Put the R mounts on. Ride them back to back with the RX. Put the fuel tank bolts in. Take them out, but wait till the track is a little bit choppy, okay? So don't stress about your fuel tank flying off. You got your top bolt on the front. Don't stress. Your seat is on. The fuel tank's not going anywhere. You, you'll no, you won't even notice it doing anything else, so don't stress on those parts. Another thing you guys can screw with is the pivot bolt um, torque spec. I don't know offhand, I don't got a manual right here in front of me to tell you what the torque spec is, but I know that I have looked at one time and experimented with the torque setting that was like two pounds, foot pounds, sorry, two foot pounds less than what the recommendation is in the manual. That helps free, free the rear end up a little bit, acceleration, um, this is something that you could try for a last test to kind of compare. It doesn't make a huge difference. I've, I feel like the RX hangers and the fuel tank bolts make the biggest change chassis-wise. Um, but you can try this and see if you notice a difference. Don't go any more than, than two foot-pounds less. I would keep that within that range or maybe try um, do increments of a 0.5 
foot-pounds less, and then see if you notice any change. But that can help the harshness and acceleration of some of that, those ruts that get deep and have those square edges inside of them, that kind of helps that as well. All right, so what I've done to my bike over the course of several months, you know, I've had it since October. Uh, I've ridden it stock for mm, 20 hours or so, and I started slowly doing modifications to it as I went along. The first thing I know most of you guys do is get a muffler for it, which I get. Stock muffler is actually pretty good, um, but most of us want to put a muffler on. So I have tried the FMF and the Yoshimura mufflers. I haven't tried any others yet, but those two are pretty damn close in performance. The only difference is for me is the FMF has a little bit more bottom end snap, more excitement. Like, yeah, 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 has really good excitement. That's not a four-stroke sound, but you guys get the drift. I mean, I can't make four-stroke sounds very good, so we're sticking with two-stroke sounds. So, FMF, better bottom end. Mid to top end, man, the Yosh and the FMF are pretty damn close. Like, they mimic each other really, really close on the track. They both pull really good mid to top, but I would say FMF's a little bit stronger down low. But what you're getting with the FMF versus the Yosh is a louder exhaust note. The FMF has bigger outlet holes in the muffler, like less back pressure than the Yosh, I feel. If you look at the Yosh you know, outlet holes in the rear, they're smaller. FMF's larger. You're getting a, you know increased sound with that. So once you fire that sucker up with FMF, you're like, whoa, you can really tell the difference in, in the exhaust note. You know, it's a little bit louder. And on the track, you can tell as well. But... You get used to it, you know, you, it, you'll adjust to it. If you like that bottom-end power, you'll like the FMF. Um, I actually have, I put the Yosh back on right now just for the simple fact that I like a little bit more of a roll-on feel out of the corner. You know, I don't need more excitement um, when the track's all dry and choppy, which is a lot what I get out here in the high des. So, but if you're looking for more bottom-end, FMF did a great job with, you know, designing their muffler. It took him a little while. Little D took a little bit to get going, but uh, he did a good job, man. That that muffler is really good. I did that test on keyforinktesting.com, and Yosh obviously works closely with the guys in Europe and the Honda team, and obviously here in America. So their muffler is really good, easy to ride, builds RPMs really nicely. So both of those are better than stock which is tough to do nowadays because a lot of these manufacturers that build uh, pipes don't make them any better than stock, but these two guys have. So it doesn't matter which way you go with this muffler. I would say either or are very good. I have both. I use both. So I like both those mufflers. Now, you may not think wheels are that big of a deal, but, man, when you go to an aftermarket hub, it gets rigid, people. Um, I have the Talon carbon hubs on my bike and they're rigid like i would not want to use these unless i was racing supercross okay i thought it was cool obviously i want carbon hubs it's bitching man like give me carbon hubs and i want you know the the, the, the talon the red hub you know it's gonna be badass well that's what i told john anderson from w he got them for me and i went out and i said holy shit it's rigid what the hell's going on so I went back to a standard, you know, kite hub or a talent hub, less rigid. I don't know why the carbon is, couldn't explain it to you. I'm not, I'm not a, 
guy who knows in depth of what carbon you know properties are but on the track it feels stiffer than a normal standard like kite or talon hub so if you're going to go with hubs which i recommend sticking with stock hubs and putting your black rims on it because everyone wants black rims why would honda put black rims on the that some bitch you know like black 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 i get it dude i get it i like black hoops too i don't know if honda's going to do it anytime soon but if you're going to put rims on your bike Try stock hubs, put black hoops on, run it. I run DID STX rims. They are less rigid than the A60s. A60s are a little bit stronger, but I'm trying to lessen the rigidity, okay? So I'm going with a stock hub and like a DID rim. So that's my choice. Um, for those of you who want to get hubs, Talon or Kite, just, I don't know. For me, I would stay away from the carbon hub. That's too stiff. The next thing I did, get ignition. Uh, don't need any more power. I just told you that. I'm good with it, right? But the get ignition is so adjustable, you can adjust the power how you want it. Like, I was blown away when I first used this thing on the Yamaha, which I was like, holy crap, man. I can't believe how much adjustment there is. You can actually get lost of how much adjustment there is on these things. So... Putting it on is a nightmare. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not a mechanic. I'm novice at best, right? So, dude, putting this thing on was not fun for me. But once I got it on, it, it paid off. Um, what it does, you can adjust it, right? It has 10 adjustments, which you see that little triangle piece and all the factory guys' bikes up on the front fender. That is your mapping, like, you know, launch control, mapping. There's 10 different settings up there, right? So... You can push your stock, it uses your stock map um, switch up on top of your handlebar, it uses that existing piece. You push it and hold it and it, you can change your maps up to 10, 10 times. Well, the higher the number, the smoother the power delivery is, almost like traction control. So softer loam, sandy tracks, I leave it on one because I want maximum power, right? You know, going to these tracks at Glen Helen at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I put that son of a bitch on 4 or 5 just to smooth out the power. And, yeah, it feels like a little bit slower, but if you look at your lap times, they're faster because you're hooking up. Almost, It's similar to like the KTM. The KTM, man, you feel like this thing doesn't feel very fast off the bottom, but it hooks up and you're overshooting the double out of the corner. You're like, what just happened? Same thing with this get, man. Like, coming out of a corner, rah, two-stroke noise again, sorry. It felt like... I was going slower, but it hooked up, and I was able to clear jumps easier. So it's a really cool tool to use if you want, obviously, broader power. It increases the mid to top end. I think I had Dan increase the over-rev 300 RPM, so it revs a little bit farther. I wouldn't recommend going over 500 RPM because then you're losing a lot of reliability for your engine. So um, you're on a 450. You don't need to rev it, but... What's cool for you lazy guys out there, you know, us lazy dudes on 450s, if you're in between gears coming out of a corner, like, let's say you roll out of second and, like, there's a there's a corner where you can't make up your mind where I'm going to shift to third and then I have to downshift again or just leave it in second. With like stock ignition, it revs out in second, so you're kind of forced to ride third. You know, you're like, God, i got to shift a lot, right? Um, with this get, you can just leave it in second because it pulls and it revs farther, so... Actually, you're you're working less, and your lap times are getting lower, which is cool. So I can just leave that thing in second, roll the corner, 
down the straightaway, get the next corner, and then I can decide to shift the third. But I don't have to make that decision so much now with this ignition because I have a, a wider parameter to uh, for that power to to pull. So I really like this thing. Like it's expensive, people. It's nine hundred bucks, but. If you're gonna, if you're serious and you're a racer and you want to change some things on your bike and you're gonna keep your Honda for a while, ignition is one of the things that I would buy. I really wouldn't do any motor work. Like I haven't done any motor work to this thing at all. Like I kept it pretty basic, you know. Yeah, wheels, ignitions, you know, mufflers are are thousand dollars. Like I get it. But if you're gonna do something, the ignition is something that you should think about. Not a lot of people go to ignitions. They go to other things like pistons and cams, but. Try these, this ignition. The Get's pretty cool. Um, I know they sponsor the Pulp Show, and I'm not just saying that because they sponsor the Help Steve out stuff. Man, like, Dan gave it to me. I tried it. I was skeptical. I tried it, and I was blown away. So uh, the Get system's really cool. That's on my bike. Um, the bars, you know, basically, like I said before, the 971 bend on the stock Honda bar is too high for me. I'm six foot. When I sit on the bike, I feel like I'm running ape hangers. I feel like it's up in the air. So I go to a Pro Taper SX bend, which is a lower bend. Almost mimics the Yamaha YZ bend, right? Shocking that I like a Yamaha bend, right? So go to a SX bend. I like crossbar less bars because less rigid. When I go to a bar that's oversized with the crossbar, rigid. Dude, I'm 40. I don't want rigid. I want comfort, right? I want some performance, but I want some give. I want some cushion. You know, I'm getting older. I want a little comfort. So going across barless bar helps that. And you're obviously going to have to get a different mount, bar mount. Um, I went with a ride engineering, you know, I think it's four-way adjustable bar mount. It's still rubber mounted. Um, I don't go to solid mounts. I keep it rubber mounted. Went to a pro taper bar. I like that. Um, the bend is low, so... Try that. And for, for those of you guys that are tall and ask me about bars, uh, bar heights and stuff, if you're going to get a, a tall bar, I'd recommend doing the height from the bar mount itself. So don't go with a very high Honda CR high bend. You know, Go with uh, a neutral, flatter, straighter bend. Get your bar mount on and maybe get spacers for your bar mounts. Go to 5, 10 millimeters, however, whichever you need to get the bar up high. So now you're dealing with the mount that's up higher, but you're still using a flatter bar, which will help you in corners. If you have this bar that has so much rise to it, it's tough to corner. So get your height out of your bar mount first, and then go with a neutral bar. Try that. So moving on, suspension. Now this is, man, this is something I've been tinkering with for, geez, six, seven months, okay? I've had the stock suspension, put springs in, I liked it, good. Fairly fairly good for everything I do, unless I get super aggressive, then I want some more holdup. So then I went with Enzo Revalve suspension. Will over there, Enzo, does very good work. Ross knows KYB, I think, more than Showa, but this stuff Will did, and he did a good job. Um, it, it held up better. But I was looking for a little bit more comfort and performance. I never went back for a second setting. Like I said, most suspension companies will keep retrying and helping you out to get the setting you want. Well, before I could do that and go back for a second setting, 
I had the guys over at Showa and KYB offer me doing an A-Kit story. So I was like, yeah, I took them up on their offer and they sent me, we'll start with Showa. They sent me their A-Kit, their new stuff, their new A-Kit stuff, which is beautiful. Um, you guys like uh, pretty looking suspension. This stuff's really cool. Um, but it's a 49 millimeter fork. I was just like stock. Uh, the shock, they use the 18 millimeter shock shaft, which is a larger shock shaft. And I've tried, I'm on my third setting of A-Kit stuff. And you guys know this, it's expensive, man. Like six, seven grand for a set of suspension. And I feel like, yes, it does help in performance. But comfort, I lose a little bit of comfort. So if I'm, like I said, if I'm riding at 80%, Cruising on my speed, my normal my normal vet speed, it's it's fine. Like stock stuff is good, but when I start to push it, I want to go race. This is where the A kit is better. I can really charge into jumps. I can jump out in the flat into like square edge and braking bumps, and it holds up, bitching. Like it holds up. You don't get a gnarly jolt to your arms. Your head's not bobbing off the crossbar. Like. It holds up well. This is where A-Kit shines. Where A-Kit doesn't shine as well as stock stuff is the small, choppy, square edge stuff where you need that soft feel, right? The A-Kit Showa stuff is not the most comfortable in that smaller, choppy stuff. It's when you really start pushing it and charging into things that you notice the difference in the Showa A-Kit stuff versus the stock stuff. Is it worth the money? That's up to you guys. I, If I was just a normal guy riding on the weekends or local series, you can get the most out of your stuff with stock or revalve. Um, I feel like it might be a little bit too rigid for you guys or harsh to get a good setting for the normal you know, weekend warrior type of guy. Now, moving on to the KYB. I get my KYB A-Kit stuff from Technical Touch, which is the... KYB distributor here in America. I think they have a website, technicaltouch.com. Um, and KYB makes a set of A kit for the Honda. So the fork on the KYB is a 48 millimeter fork, not a 49, which will still bolt up to your stock triple clamps. Or if you go with an X trig, it, it all bolt up straight up. It doesn't have to be adjusted. You don't need to have a 49 tube. Um, to made up, it will work. Uh, the shock shaft on the KYB is a 16 millimeter shock shaft, not an 18. And they use the triple adjuster um, for the shock as well. So they have high speed, low speed, and rebound all in the same adjuster on the, on top on the shock. The difference between the KYB and the Showa, however, was a little bit different. I got more comfort out of the KYB suspension than I did the Showa. Um, light, light bump, small bump, choppy, square edge, hard pack. The KYB is more comfortable. It feels a little bit better planted. I get a little bit more traction coming out of corners. And I think that has to do with the shock shaft being a little bit smaller. That 18 mil shock shaft, I feel, might be too big for outdoors for me like I don't feel like I need that big of a shock shaft I think that's great for supercross seat bouncing hard landing and stuff but a 16 millimeter shock shaft should be sufficient for most guys that are that are on this Honda 
Um, where the sh- where the where the show stuff was a little bit better than the KYB was when I started pushing it really hard into the jump faces or landing. The show stuff held up a little bit better, and the KYB had more comfort initially when I slapped down. But deep in the stroke, I felt like performance-wise, Showa was a little better. If I was going to choose one or the other, and I was going to go, hey, I need an A kit, which one am I choosing? For me, I would say KYB is a little bit better than the Showa stuff, just for the simple fact of comfort. Like I said, I'm 40 years old. If I was 20 years old, maybe I'd want a little bit more performance and go with the Showa, but you know, I'm, I'm more of a smoother rider. I pick my line choices like uh, Porcel. I wish I was as fast as him, but that's how I ride. So I want a little bit more comfort, and the KYB stuff was better for me. With the suspension, you know, when you buy this A-Kit stuff, you can buy it at a, at a dealer, you know, a, a local dealer, or you can go to Pro Circuit, Factory Connection. They sell the Showa A-Kit stuff. The KYB stuff can get purchased through Technical Touch, and then you can have your local guy valve it for you. With Showa stuff, you basically have to get it valved from Pro Circuit or Factory Connection. That Showa will not valve it for you. With Technical Touch and KYB, they will they can valve it for you with their settings that they come up with in Europe, or you can just take the stuff and have your local guy valve it. So, those are the couple options. Would I want that stuff? You know, it, it's hard to say. Like, I think I'm fine with stock stuff valve, but if you know, if you're giving me a kit stuff, it does help a little bit, guys. Like. When you start pushing it and you want to really get into it and you're racing and you're you're hauling ass and you're over jumping and you're getting excited, that's where A kit really comes into play. Your case and jumps or just anything that's performance based. A kit's a little bit better, but it costs money, guys, so choose wisely. VP racing gas, okay? Here in California, our pump gas is shit. Um, our governor, I have no idea what the hell he's doing. But our fuel costs are outrageous in the summertime. Summer blend. It's all BS. So inconsistent. I try to go with something that's consistent, right? So I I really have a good relationship with the guys at VP. And I've tried a lot of their fuels. So they have this new fuel with VP T4E. Uh, it's like T4, but it's a different blend that they came up with. I've had T4. It's good. You get more performance out of the bottom end. You know, you have a little bit more pull in the mid-range. But sometimes in the summertime when it gets warm, it it runs dirty off low end. And when I mean dirty, like blah, 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 blah. That's my sound for dirty. Like it's a little bit dirty off really low RPM. And sometimes you get some D-cell pop. With this T4E that's coming out, and I think it's coming out here fairly soon, I don't get that dirty low end feel and not as much D-cell pop. And you don't have to remap. It's basically a fuel replacement, I'm sorry, a pump replacement uh, fuel. You don't have to do anything except pour it in. It's not like something you're going to Pro 6 where you have to remap and do all this shit. VP T4E gets you a little bit more power. Man, it smells like, doesn't smell very good. You know how some fuels smell really bitchin' and yeah, you're like, oh, I'm just going to walk in the garage and sniff my fuel because, well, maybe not the wives. The wives, every time they walk out, they get mad, but... You know us guys that race. We like that smell. Um, this smells not as uh, as good as the others, but, man, it works really well on the bike. You can really feel it down on low end to mid-range. So I really like that VP T4E. That's what I use. Um, going to the clutch, we know, like I said before earlier, 
the clutch life on this Honda is not the best. Um, I, every 10 hours I went through a clutch, burned clutch plates, smoked, done. And I changed my oil every other ride. So I went with the Henson 8-plate clutch system. It's a basket, inner hub, pressure plate, fiber, steel, springs. Obviously the, the clutch cover looks bitchin'. But the life of that clutch that I get is almost double. I think I got 18, 19 hours out of that clutch, which is good for me. Because I was on the 8 to 10 hour train, and that, that sucks. So, haven't broken a clutch plate. I think I've only changed one set of plates since I've had it, which is impressive. And also, I would like to tell you guys that the pool, once you put this Henson in, the pool does get a little bit harder, your clutch pull. You can combat that a little bit, getting a worst connection perch. That's my go-to. Like, I know there's all kinds over there, but I just like the feel of works connection perches and levers and how that lever feels in my finger because my fingers are a little fat. So you will get a little bit tougher of a pull. Um, obviously, I'm a stickler when it comes to pull. I'd like a super buttery light pull. So putting the worst connection lever on does kind of help that heavier pull a little bit. So don't expect to have a lighter pull when you put a Henson in or, or any other clutch for that matter. You always seem to get a little bit of a tougher pull. So, But the life you get out of that Henson is so much better. So you're spending some money on a, on a clutch, but your life span of the clutch is going to get better. So that's one mod that I really like. Um, and lastly, oversized brakes. Yes, stock bike, the Honda comes with, a, what, I think a 270 millimeter? Um, or maybe it's a 260. I'm sorry, I think it's a 260. So you're getting a, a, a oversized Galfer brake. I put it on. It's a little bit better of a braking power. I get more modulation at the, at the, at the front brake. So when you enter a corner with the stock stuff, it kind of gets mushy over time. Um, not, it's not so much the oil. It's just the lever feel. Like I feel like the, the, the rotor gets hot and I lose a little bit of feel on my front brake. So I went to a Galfer um, non-floating. I've tried floating and non-floating, but the, the non-floating is better for me. You guys out there, you can try both, but I just prefer a non-floating rotor just for the simple fact of how it feels on my finger and the progression that I get um, with the front brake. And I've tried, going back to the suspension, I kind of skipped over this, but going back to the suspension, I tried a one millimeter longer link on my bike that Ride Engineering makes. Um, what that does, it kind of like balances your suspension out coming into corners. I run 105 millimeters of sag um, with, with or without the link. So you run the link, got a 105 sag, it kind of drops it a little bit, so when you come into a corner, the bike feels a little bit better balanced. It's a little bit lower in the rear. I don't get much kick out of it, and I can get into the corner better. Where I'd really notice the link is acceleration. When you're accelerating out of a corner and you got that choppy, square edgy stuff out of a rut, it squats better and it stays planted, and I really notice better traction coming out of the corner. So. I know Adrian and I, we tested a lot of stuff from one millimeter to I think 1.5, and one millimeter was the happy spot. I also know that Pro Circuit is selling one too, and I think theirs is a little bit different. I think theirs might be a 1.5, I 
um, and that also can work as well. I, I haven't tried theirs, but definitely a link helps this bike, so I would recommend trying to go to a link. You know, either you can go to uh, Ride Engineering to go to Pro Circuit and try a link, see if you guys like it. It's a little bit better balance coming into corners. Um, also, going to the fork height for you guys, I've experienced from flush to five. Five millimeters up in the clamp is stock. I feel like that's too much. I get a lot of understeer coming into the corner when I have um, five millimeters. So, and what understeer is, is you're coming into a corner and the, the front end almost knifes, right? So I get that a lot with a five millimeter height. I drop it from anywhere where I like it from two to 2.5, no matter what fork I had on the KYB, stock, Showa. I ran two, 2.5, and that helps with less understeer. It kind of falls in a little bit slower, but to me, front end traction throughout the corner is better with the fork a little bit lower. So you guys want to try that. Put it at 2 to 2.5. Run your sag at 105, regardless of what suspension you have on there. Those two things, I think, is a good baseline to start from. And uh, that should, all those mods should balance your bike better and help you um, if you guys are looking for lower lap times, obviously lower your lap time. So with all the stuff that I just said and that I've lived with over the past several months has made the 2017 CR450R more comfortable, um, easier to ride, and kind of it's exciting to ride. Like having the stock bike, I was picking it apart too much, and, and having these mods now really helps the balance of the motorcycle. So wrapping it up, you know, 2018 is on the horizon. I think we have, what, shit, two, three weeks, and we have the 2018 intro. So you'll be seeing a first impression up on keyforinktesting.com soon on the 18. And from what I've gathered on their website is that they're doing a electric start. And for those of you guys freaking out about weight, um, the 2018 Honda, I think, on their site says 248 pounds which is all the fluids and and fuel. So I see Vital, all these guys freaking out about weight. Yes, we want a lower lower weight bike. I get it. The KTM is insane, right? It's super light. It's insane what they've done, and the Japanese manufacturers need to chase that, but it's expensive. However, the Honda and the Yamaha... The Yamaha's heavy feel, like it has a heavy feel on the track, it pushes in the corners, but the Honda, with this new weight that they're claiming, I think it's going to be as heavy as the, the Yamaha currently, the 17 Yamaha, but I also feel like the weight will help this Honda a little bit for a planted feel. Honda always has like a little bit of a skatey feel, like light feeling, so a little bit of weight you know, that's been added with this electric start, it might not be a bad thing, folks. So before you start freaking out about weight, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Some weight is good. It makes it better planted. It's more straight line stability. You get more feel at the tire and more, you know, more contact patch at the tire. So yes, you don't want too, too much of a heavy bike where it's really heavy to lean in and tip-ins heavy. And also key is where the weight is placed. So um, I'm going to ride this thing, the 18, I'm going to see in a few weeks, and I'll get back to you on the weight feel, but honestly, I, I have a feeling that this weight that they're adding with this electric start might help this bike a little bit, being 
a little bit better planted on the track. So we will see. Uh, I think it'll be, uh, the intro will be at sunrise. So we'll be riding some high desert stuff that I'm super familiar with. So I'll, I'll give you guys a lot of good information on the 18 bike that's coming out. And I think the 18 Honda 450 will be in dealers sometime mid-July to late July. So every year, man, these, these new bikes are coming out earlier and earlier. So, you know, we can just spend our money on, uh, on new bikes, <laughs> new parts. Uh, chain guides, your sliders, um, they last about 10 hours. Um, I still use stock chain guides and sliders. They're not loud. I've tried other chain guides and sliders out there that last longer, but they're super loud on the chain. I'm not into that. So I stick with OEM stuff and I'll just replace them every 10 hours or so, but keep your eye out for that. Keep your eye out for your radiator fluid and your bikes. Check that constantly. Like I said, uh, for some reason, Honda likes to suck radiator fluid or blow it out the overfill when it gets hot. So just make sure you always keep an eye on your radiator levels. And I honestly don't think you have any durability issues. I haven't had any on mine besides the clutch and all these uh, freak things that are happening and it could just be rumors and or it really could have happened to you and it's a fluke deal. So um, just keep 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 an eye on everything. Take care of your bike and I'm sure it'll take care of you. And that's pretty much it about this thing. I'm going to keep riding her. I'm going to be able to keep this Honda for a while. I'm going to go race at Loretta's. I'm going to switch off between that most likely. I, I mean... As long as I get to keep it, I'm pretty sure I get to keep it before Loretta's and, and uh, race it at Loretta's. And so I'll have it for another couple months, and I'll get back to you guys, you know, on this podcast. Or we'll do uh, a whole separate one on all of them, or just a Loretta's podcast, and we'll talk about how the bike performed and if I have any other troubles with it. But uh, thanks for checking out this this episode, episode number two. Hopefully we'll get to episode number three. And this was all about the CRF450R. If you have any questions about this, you know, hit me up at chris at kieferinktesting.com. I'll try to get back to you guys. You know, I get a lot of emails. I'm pretty good about 95% of the emails I'll get back to you. But give me a bit. Obviously, I'll have to go ride and test. Try to check these emails at the end of the day. But I appreciate you guys listening to this. And uh, hopefully, your guys' Hondas are good. And we'll get back to you soon on the 18. And thanks for checking out. The Kiefer Tested Podcast, sponsored by Rocky Mountain ATV MC. Thanks for listening. See ya!